Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Bo Bruce. What brought you to church this morning? Did you come to give or to receive? I know for myself that I'd probably say I come to church each week to recharge my spiritual batteries, to survive the difficult battle that we face each week in this world, to be fed by the readings, the songs, and indeed by the very body and blood of Christ. But today Jesus asks us, are we willing to give back or are we taking more than we give. You see, the church is a body. You need your foot, but it takes blood. It takes some care to be protected from the world. So we put on socks and shoes. And it takes a beating on an average 5,000 steps a day for you. And that blood comes from your heart which needs a little prompting from your brain to stay on rhythm, but which otherwise works pretty autonomously, serving the rest of your body, beating about 100,000 times a day. And Bella will often tell me that 100,000 is a really big number, and she's right. In today's epistle, we hear St. Paul tell the Corinthian church that he wants to be sure they are informed about spiritual gifts. He talks about the great variety of gifts from the Holy Spirit, the great variety of service and activity that each of us has been gifted by the Holy Spirit. And just following today's epistle, as we heard at evening prayer last night, St. Paul tells us how the Christian church is a body. Let me remind you of St. Paul's words. Or just as the body is one and has many members, for all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongue. 
Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. Christ is our head. We are the very members of that body. And just as you know me by my head, or more precisely my face, we know the church, the body of Christ, by its face, Christ. We are not the head, we are not the face. Instead, we are the elbow, the stomach, the liver, a kidney, even the hands and feet, and feet of the Lord. We are to humbly stand aside and let Christ shine through by giving more than we take. By doing so, we support the body. We can't live to our fullest without an elbow, a stomach, a liver, or even a signal, single kidney. Yet some of us try to live our lives not only without one of those, but as just one of those in our Christian life. Do we see any livers walking around? Bodiless elbows? Of course not. And that's how so many of us, whether we are orthodox or not, spend our Christian lives trying to go it alone. We come to church to get the blood we need to hang on in a jar on somebody's desk. We think we have it together. We think that existence is perfectly fine, but Paul tells us it is not. Paul says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it, and God has appointed in the church all these orders, all these different roles to have, helping, administering, tongues, prophets, apostles. And yet none of us are any, all of those, none of us are all of those things. Paul tells us we can't be everything. Paul tells us we shouldn't expect to do it all. But he still says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Unlike the organs in our body, we can move up from being an appendix or a left elbow to being a heart. You can move up from being a spleen to being a lung, but to do so, you have to give more than you receive. Today, Jesus has just wept over the coming destruction of Jerusalem before he enters the temple. And with righteous anger, he, he makes a whip to drive out all those who sell and overturns the tables of the money changers in the temple. As you know, the money changers take the Roman money bearing the image of Caesar, which was considered defiling inside the temple and exchange it for Jewish coins that were minted especially for avoiding blasphemy. But just like if you've ever traveled to another country and converted a few US dollars for some pesos, euros, or Canadian dollars, there's a middleman making his cut along the way. I think we might feel that those folks take more than they give, regardless of the value of that transaction to us. And they certainly literally do so in today's passage. Likewise, many of the businesses in the temple were offering the animals necessary for sacrifice. God asks us so little for our labor, but here you don't even have to do the work. You just pay for it and you get your salvation. Or do you? As Christians, God seemingly asks even less of us. We don't have farms to tend to raise animals in most cases. And we, have, we tend to trend towards doing as little as possible because God asks so little of us. How many of us, including myself, show up here each Sunday, put on the good show, and leave here barely considering God the other six and a half days of the week? Being a Christian isn't just an identity that we embrace 
and or discard with the changing of the breeze it, it isn't a choice it's a lifestyle if we're doing it right like so many of the words of Jesus he didn't make them up well I guess he did by inspiring and co-working with the prophets of the Old Testament but my point is Many of the things that Jesus says are familiar to those first century Jews. And that includes, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus tells us as much when he says, it is written. So where is it written? In Jeremiah the prophet, chapter 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, and I will let you dwell in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. I didn't rep repeat that. The Bible did three times. Pretty important stuff. For if you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly execute justice one with another, if you do not oppress the sojourner, the fatherless, or the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own harm, then I will let you dwell in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your fathers, forever. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. You steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known. And then come and stand before me in this house, which I have called by my name, and say, we're delivered only to go on doing all of those abominations. Has this house, which I call by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Behold, I myself have seen it declares the Lord. So we see Jesus emphasizing in his quoting of Jeremiah the importance that we be good members of the body. We don't just show up and say, yay, we're saved. We have to do something. We shouldn't, not only should we exercise the gifts that God gave us, if we're a liver, we should make sure we're detoxifying. If we're a heart, we should make sure we're the best of pumps. But we should also make sure that we aren't doing things to damage ourselves. We have to take care of what we are so that we can fulfill our mission. So that brings us back to you and me. What are we giving or what are we taking? And are they in balance with one another? Of course we should be doing both. If, but if we're in right standing with the rest of the body, we should be giving at least as much as we're taking. And that's not easy. It is a high calling, but it is our calling. So how can we even begin to give more than we've been given? I mean, after all, we have been given the bottomless gift of forgiveness, total salvation, and eternal life with God. Who has anything to offer beyond that? No one, of course. But that comes from the head, and you're not the head. Your left elbow, or perhaps more nobly, a kidney, let's say. Your job is to support that head, that body, the rest, especially the head, the face of God. God supplies you with his blood, his very own blood, so that you can be what he has created you to be. He has given you his spirit to sustain you. You're important to making the body complete, to making it whole, to making it be its fullest, whether you're the heart or the left elbow. What I want you to focus on is figuring out what you are. Whatever that is, do it well. Are you an apostle, a miracle worker, a prophet? Do you provide the body with wisdom, knowledge, faith, healings, miracles, a discerning of spirits, or an interpretation of tongues? How will you find your place in the body? Well, you'll do that when you quit being a robber 
and start being a prayer. When we stop being satisfied with living in a glass jar on some anatomist's desk and start being a part of a body. That means we have to start listening to the head. If we're just a left elbow, we have to stop deciding at what angle we want to be flexed. We have to start listening to the head. We have to submit to the authority of Christ. And that means we have to get rid of our self-will. When we let Christ move us, we will automatically be giving more than we take. If we're a kidney, we must submit to passively processing the blood of the body, filtering out the things that make us unwell. We have a singular task, perhaps a seemingly boring task, and yet our calling is to do it and do it in compliance with the head. He needs us and we need him. We work synergistically with God. God may make the first move, sending that signal down that neuron, but if we don't react, then God cannot, cannot do his work. God gave us free will so that we could love him. And how do we love him? By letting go of the very gift of free will he gave us and letting him act through us. When we pray, we listen to God. So we submit our will to his. We find out at what angle we as an elbow should be. We know as a liver, we better get ready for brew night last night. Furthermore, when we pray, we tell the head the situation on the ground. We bring our needs to him. Did he know already? Of course he did. But by bringing added attention to what's needed, then when we're told it's worth reacting to, we're ready to engage. We're more ready to align our intentions with his, ready to use our gifts to the fullest. When multiple members of the body are praying, we're working together to synergistically overcome the challenges that this world puts to us every single day. We are filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, as Paul admonishes us, uh, admonishes us to do. When we pray in words, we are communicating and listening to our head. When we pray in deeds, we are executing the will of our head rather than our own. We may be an elbow, a heart, a kidney, or the liver of Christ, but we have something each to offer. And indeed, as we often say, we are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. This is not a metaphor. Without us, God cannot be all that he is. He's given up part of his authority by giving us free will so that we can truly love him. He really does need our help in that sense. And yet without him, we cannot be all we were created to be. So become a house of prayer. Don't be a den of robbers. Go and be the gift that God has made you to be. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.